you focus on quality content, if you focus on delivering value through your content and not always just sell, 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 the results take care of themselves. Welcome to Honest Ecommerce, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the BS and finding actionable advice for online store owners. I'm your host, Chase Clymer, and I believe running a direct-to-consumer brand does not have to be complicated or a guessing game. On this podcast, we interview founders and experts who are putting in the work and creating real results. I also share my own insights from running our top Shopify consultancy, Electric Eye. We cut the fluff in favor of facts to help you grow your e-commerce business. Let's get on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Honest E-Commerce. I'm your host, Chase Clymer. And third time's the charm. We're welcoming to the show Kyle. He's joining us from Goriana. Uh, they're a fantastic jewelry line. Uh, they're out on the West Coast. I'm super jealous about where he is and all the awesome photos all over this website that I'm browsing around. Uh, Kyle joins us today. He is the VP of Marketing. He joined just over two years ago. But the most interesting part about this is Kyle actually uh, was... Um, we'll get more into the details about this. But essentially, uh, they were a client of his at his previous gig. He was running an agency and he was working with them. And then he decided to kind of jump ship. The grass is always greener. Uh, we sometimes hear. And uh, so Kyle is going to share us share with us about that journey and uh, what he's been up to helping the team grow. Uh, you know, from the agency perspective, and now coming in house, and how that all how that all plays out. So, Kyle, welcome to the show. Chase, how you doing? Glad to be here. Awesome, awesome. Thanks so much. So, I guess um, where do you want to start this? Do you want to start it kind of about like how you got the job offer, or do you want to take it way back when when you were kind of starting an agency? Uh, either, you know, I think that you know, starting an agency is something that you know was a natural progression for me. I think you know the first business that I started. Um, when I began my career, I was coming home. I played basketball overseas for a couple of years and, um, uh, my call Drew and I started a, an experiential marketing agency that focused on mostly event marketing, uh, brand ambassador programs, influencers before influencers was really a thing. Uh, and saw the writing on the wall. We had some early success, but this was back in, you know, 2011, 2012, when digital ads were really coming into their own and starting to take up more budget from the clients that we were focused on. And Experiential was losing market share in a lot of these kind of, you know, small and medium businesses we were focused on because Experiential lacks uh, transparency in terms of performance, right? It's top of funnel. It's very brand. It's hard to connect the quarter million dollars you're spending on an event to customers. It's not easy to do even today. Uh, and you, we saw we kept on losing bids and, and losing proposals to, to brands spending money more on Facebook and digital and search. And so I was just like, well, this is where everyone is going. So I'm going to go there too. Um, so, you know, started my own shop in LA focusing on, you know, search engine marketing, paid social and email, just sticking with those three, um, working you know, with Klaviyo, Facebook ads, Google search, like really that was kind of the bread and butter and, uh, got connected to, um, Jason Rydell, who's my CEO and, you know, co-founder, um, of Goriana here alongside his wife, Goriana, um, and worked with them off and on for, Four years, I think, you know, helped re revamp their internal email marketing, 
helped clean up their e-commerce analytics, helped establish the foundation for search and clean up their affiliate program. So kind of spearheaded several different projects for them in the early going, helped them onboard internal team members as well um, to help manage, you know, those channels and just really stayed close um, over the course of, you know, the, the succeeding four or five years. And, um, kind of understood how Gory on how the brand was going, you know, getting kind of their big break, you know, being founded as a predominantly wholesale brand back in 2005, um, kind of really broke through into the mainstream, you know, 10 years later, um, through Nordstrom. And then from there branching out and, you know, deciding in 2016 that the next frontier was retail and opening, you know, the first flagship store here in Southern California in Laguna Beach. And, you know, fast forward now, you know, five years later, we're opening, we opened our 19th store uh, in Montecito last week. And I think, you know, I love Jason. I think we we had always a good relationship, which I think, you know, and if you're a founder or you work at the top of any digital agency, you really value the clients that you do have good relationships with because clients are very difficult, right? They want a million things. Uh, they always think that they're right. It's hard to tell them they're wrong. Um, and it's hard to have, you know, I was, I always felt like in my position, in my agency, I could always give clients more than what they were paying my team to offer. You know, I could give them more creatively branding their messaging, you know, telling them what they need to be doing and that's why I always felt, you know, I was more inclined to an in-house spot, but I had a, you know, fairly successful little shop. You know, we were definitely a little small team. Um, but I loved, you know, when Jason approached me, you know, not never have, having had a marketing leader in-house. He was basically for the entire history of the company. He and Goriana even were functioning as CEO, CCO and CMO was the role they were sharing between them. And so, I never really had a dedicated, you know, marketing leader to lead branding, to lead e-commerce. And, you know, knowing what I knew about the brand and its trajectory, I was thrilled about it. You know, it was kind of something that I felt just made sense for, for me. And I love the brand. I'd been a customer of the brand for the five years before, even before they opened up, you know, their first store. Uh, so I've been following them. They did a, they dabbled in, in men's stuff way back in the day. And I remember an ex-girlfriend of mine sent me a bracelet and that's, you know, and so they were always, you know, on my radar and I just felt like it was very organic, um, to make that transition and, you know, step away from the, the agency grind and dealing with clients and proposals and sales call and to really get under the hood to lead a growing team, an incredible team that I have here and, you know, set these principles for our story and our messaging and our marketing that has put us in the situation we are today, which is still growing significantly. Awesome. That is, that is so cool to hear. And I have so many questions for you, but I'm going to try to keep it a very, very simple and less of, I mean, we could just go on all, on all day about like the client okay. agency relationship, but that's not where I want to go with this. Businesses are the most successful when they own their own data, customer relationships, and their growth. That's why more than 50,000 e-commerce brands, big and small, trust Klaviyo to deliver their ideal customer experience. 
Klaviyo is the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for online brands of all kinds and all sizes. With email automation, SMS marketing, list growth tools, and more, you'll get everything you need to build strong relationships that keep your customers coming back. If you're tired of relying too heavily on paid advertising or third-party marketplaces for your sales success, you're not alone. It's time to take back control of the customer experience. More and more online businesses are moving to Klaviyo to grow higher value customer relationships through personalized email and SMS marketing. And the results are staggering. Ready to drive future sales and higher customer lifetime value with a marketing platform built for your long-term growth? You should get a free trial of Klaviyo over at klaviyo.com slash honest. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. So let's go back to before you before you uh, got the job there when you were still working with them in kind of an agency capacity. Um, what was like the single project or maybe the projects that you took on that you know uh, they absolutely needed and it was like something that they didn't know like they didn't know what they didn't know type situation and you know did you turn around any sort of awesome results for them? Um, I see that a lot on my side of things. And now I'm, not, now I'm gonna just stop talking because I don't wanna put words in your mouth. Well, I think identifying opportunity was really how the role developed and discussing with him, you know, first and foremost, you know, we discussed the performance of email marketing. And back then they were on MailChimp and I was just like, you know, you guys have gotten to a point where you've outgrown MailChimp. Now, you know, e-commerce is starting to see some success. I think, you know, e-commerce had a couple flat years um, previously. And then back in 27, 2018, the, the line started to go up. And it just, you know, they outgrew what MailChimp could do. And I was like, you know, all my clients use Klaviyo. I was, my agency was Klaviyo Partner. We put everyone on Klaviyo. And I was like, you, got, you guys got to look at this. This tool, it is better for e-commerce. It's going to help you, you know, in retention, keeping more customers. It's going to help you segment more customers rather than sending the same email to everyone. It's going to help you send more emails. I think, you know, even at the time where I came in the door, we were only sending two emails a week. And, you know, me obviously being extremely data-driven, I got into the hood right away. And I was like, every time we send an email... Revenue spikes. Oh, I mean, obviously, and from working with other clients, I was, you know, you send more emails, you make more money. And I think that's counterintuitive for a lot of people because they think, you know, you send more emails and your engagement rates go down and your unsubscribe rates go up, which isn't true. If you send bad emails, your engagement rate goes down and unsubscribes go up, no question. But if you focus on quality content, if you focus on delivering value, through your content and not always just sell, 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 the results take care of themselves. And I think, you know, again, we went from two emails a week. Now we send emails every single day um, to different audiences, sometimes more than once, not to the same audience, but, you know, I have a really high performing team that churns out incredible content. I happen to think, you know, my graphic designer deserves an award for how incredible our content looks and our emails look. Um, and we've never looked back since then. So that was just, you know, one area. I think I obviously identifying, you know, the move to Shopify from Magento 
when I had started working with the brand, I think in 2016, they were on Magento and I was, it was my first experience working with Magento. All my clients were on Shopify. And I, you know, I'm Jason and I were close and I was like, Jason, you know, this Magento is terrible. And hopefully I don't offend anyone listening who works with Magento or uses Magento, but and I don't, I can't speak to what it is like today, but back in 2016, it was the worst thing I'd ever seen, certainly compared to Shopify at the time. Um, and I was, you know, kind of planted that seed, like, you know, if you guys want a more scalable operation here to run lean internally, because Goriana didn't then and doesn't now have, we don't have an internal, um, dev team, right? We don't have, we, we outsource that. Um, and so we don't have those resources at our fingertips. Whereas I, and I, not sure if this is true now, but Magento at the time, you really needed in-house technical team to leverage that product, right? You couldn't just put in, uh, you know, an entry-level e-commerce coordinator or specialist or even a manager and have them navigate that simply. And I, I ran into that problem because we were launching shopping campaigns through Google search for the first time. And Magento was, you know, it took what normally takes in Shopify maybe a week and Magento took over a month to, to get the, the product feeds to play nicely and communicate back and forth. And, you know, that was a big move for us. I think luckily for me, when I, when I took over two years ago, we, the, the brand had just uh, migrated from Magento to Shopify. Um, I believe just three months earlier at the beginning of the year. And one month into, um, you know, starting here, we migrated our entire POS to Shopify as well. So now we have everything at home in one place and it makes understanding our customer and all the, you know, related metrics so much easier to have things all in one place. Cause that's ultimately, you know, I think the first thing I came in the door was like, all right, who are our customers? And how do we make sure that they stay engaged with the brand? This brand has been around for 15 years. We have a lot of legacy customers. These are the most valuable people. How do we make them happy? And then, you know, let acquisition come secondary after we figure out, we make sure we have a strong life cycle for our customers. Man, you shared so much cool stuff there. And uh, anyone that, that listens know that uh, Magento has its place in the market and it's not in my client's stack but you know there's reasons for it and there's reasons for all the tools but like yeah uh magento is not something i'm a fan of uh the first and last time we used magento was when we migrated a client off of magento uh back when we started the agency and then made the decision like literally weeks later that we were never working with magento again because it was just so frustrating it's a nightmare yeah i was wouldn't be here if they were going to stay on magento let me tell you that but Luckily, had a had a little bit of influence, and um, and and that got done before I before I took over. Awesome. All right, so let's go. To, there's something that you mentioned here is when you were getting involved with them and you were helping them with uh, with emails and ramping up their emails. And you said something that sending more emails won't uh, cause the unsubscribe rate to go up or engagement to go down if you're sending the right emails. And then you mentioned that you have a team that does. Like, you know, it's producing amazing content. Did they have that before you joined the team or is that a big initiative that you helped them get started when you were working with them in the agency capacity? Um, how did that get built out? Uh, you know, I inherited a really phenomenal team here. And I think what they needed initially was the right direction in terms of creating more. 
Um, I think, you know, there were, again, limits in terms of how much content we're created here at the beginning. And I know when I came in and I met with my content team, I was just like, all right, how do we get you guys producing more, more of everything? And, and starting with email, knowing that email is still to this day, the best medium to retain customers, honestly, other than retail. I think that's the one like retail is incredible. And again, I, I know it's sometimes counterintuitive. I think doing retail right is incredible. And retail isn't something that's easy to do. I'm lucky to have a team here that's cracked that code. Our sales team and our ops team have, you know, created a phenomenal experience that my team and I on the marketing side are able to support. Um, and we do a great job. Uh, and we kind of have that formula knocked out internally to make retail an incredible channel for us. Um, but on email as a sub channel, there's nothing that, you know, keeps customers engaged like, like email and then, you know, maintains and grows lifetime value. And all you have to do is do it right. And we also were lucky enough to work with another couple of great email partners that enhance our efforts here. Um, but certainly, you know, churning out more content was the first kind of domino to knock down. We needed more ads. We needed more social content. We needed more emails. Um, we needed more of everything. And I think getting that going, aligning more content and honing in our voice, what our message was, what we stood for as a brand, um, was, was really, you know, kind of the, the beginning of what we've been able to do in the last two years. Hey everybody, do you want to win back valuable lost time for your support team? Gorgeous has machine learning functionality that takes the pressure off small support teams and gives them the tools to manage a large number of inquiries at scale, especially during the holiday season. Gorgeous combines all your different communication channels like email, SMS, social media, live chat, and even phone into one platform and gives you an organized view of all of your customer inquiries. Their powerful functionality can save your support team hours per day and makes managing customer orders a breeze. They have allowed online merchants to close tickets faster than ever with the help of pre-written responses integrated with customer data to increase the overall efficiency of customer support. Their built-in automations also free up time for support agents to give better answers to complex product-related questions, providing next-level support, which helps increase sales, brand loyalty, and recognition. Eric Brandholtz, the founder of Beard Brand, says, We're a seven-figure business, and we have essentially one person on customer support and experience. It's impossible to do it without tools like Gorgeous to help us innovate. Learn how to level up your customer support by speaking to their team here. Visit gorgeous.grsm.io slash honest. That's G-O-R-G-I-A-S dot G-R-S-M dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. If you're struggling with scaling your sales, maybe Electric Eye can help. Our team has helped our clients generate millions of dollars in additional revenue through our unique brand scaling framework. You can learn more about our agency at electriceye.io. That's E-L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Y-E.io. Awesome. Yeah. I, and people are going to start emailing me like, Chase, every guest that comes on the show, like, do you just feed them the answers? No. I know the answers. I know the questions he asks because I'm telling you, successful brands have a lot in common, and it's this isn't as hard as a lot of people think. It just takes doing the same thing over and over and over until it works. Uh, and you know, unless your product's terrible, and then you should probably think about that. Yeah. But you know, 
after after you get a product that people want. I'm very lucky, obviously. Gregoriana is the founder of our brand. Her and our VP of product design, incredible product. I, I'm lucky. I know a lot of marketing teams touch product, have to be concerned with product. Luckily, I can rely on the product team in Goriana killing it every single time. Uh, makes our job very easy, my team and I. And we really just focus on the numbers, the strategy, the messaging, and you know it's working well. Awesome. So, uh, what what are the numbers that matter to you? Like, what are the KPIs or the true norths that you guys are always going towards? Uh, which which ones are? Where do you like kind of rank them? I get asked this question a lot, and I think the answer is a lot of times for a lot of people it's a little too simple. But customers is the first one. Uh, and you know our customer count. How many customers do we have? And above that would just be how do we get more customers? Is creating more awareness, right? How do we expand our awareness in the marketplace? We're not yet a household name. I think we're getting close, um, given our growth and given the mediums that we're currently infiltrating. But we pay very close attention to our customer accounts and our new customer accounts, primarily making sure that we have the right ratio. I think. What we've done here is try to focus on what are our benchmarks for a healthy ecosystem? What's the right amount of paid traffic? What's the right amount of email and SMS traffic? What's the right amount of social traffic? Um, what's the right percentage of new versus returning traffic and new versus returning customers? Um, and then all the correlated metrics. I mean, we keep track of a, a macro CPA, macro CAC. We keep track of micro CACs and CPAs through our attribution platform. Um, we obviously, we have, you know, we kind of have a sophisticated way of calculating and reviewing LTV and kind of identifying our most valuable cohorts of customers. You know, who purchases the most frequently, who spends the most money and who poke, who and who has purchased, who has the longest lifespan. Um, so there's a lot of different metrics, but I think ultimately, at our stage, volume is one of the most important things as we kind of maintain, you know, our current growth trajectory growing, you know, at least e-commerce and even retail as well, which is, continues despite a rocky year to do really well. Um, e-commerce growing, you know, two and two and a half X, almost three X year over year. And it's because we're focused on architecting and manufacturing that growth and not relying on luck. Or, you know, virality, which I think a lot of brands achieve. And if you get that, then you see things go up really quickly. But in order to maintain growth, it has to be intentional and you have to understand all the different levers and pulleys that create growth. And there's nothing unimportant in that mix. Everything matters and everything contributes to the top line. Since 2004, Avalara's vision has been to harness the power of cloud technology to help simplify sales tax for businesses of all sizes. Avalara solutions are designed to affordably scale with businesses as they grow over time. Tax compliance is not a revenue generating activity, so Avalara's technology is designed to help you manage tax compliance as efficiently and accurately as possible, so you can reclaim your valuable time and reduce risk in your business. With more than 1,000 signed partner integrations, Avalara likely integrates with the ERP, e-commerce, mobile payment, and point-of-sale systems you use today. Find out how your business can be sales tax ready at avalara.com slash honest. That's A-V-A-L-A-R-A 
com slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Avalara, tax compliance done right. So would you say that seeing uh, new customer acquisition go up alongside of just total customers would be the result of positive impacts to all of kind of the secondary or interconnected KPIs that are involved? So is that why you guys are kind of putting that one up, up top on the Christmas tree, I guess? Yeah, well, I think we know that in order to continue to grow, we need new, you need new customers coming in the door. If, like, if, and that's why, you know, when I started two years ago, the focus was certainly on evaluating, you know, using our current customer base to influence strategy to acquire new customers, right? That was as simple as I could put it. Like, we wanted to understand, like, we have this many customers. These are their common characteristics. These are the data points for them. Here are our best customers, right? Building customer profiles from them. How do we get more of these people? And how, and using that to influence our acquisition strategy, using that to influence the content that was being created, where we were using that content, what we were saying, um, and kind of letting our customers drive our growth by telling us, you know, who they are and then where other customers like them can be found. That's awesome. Now, you mentioned something a little bit earlier that I kind of wanted to just dive a little bit deeper on. It was kind of this whole concept of like uh, scaling appropriately and growing uh, alongside of other channels. And so uh, I guess the, the loaded question is, is there like kind of a certain threshold that you can hit with paid in terms of growth versus like your organic traffic that is kind of just diminishing returns at a certain point? I think so. Um, we've kind of internally identified that metric at roughly 50% of traffic. If when we see us exceed 50% of traffic pay, paid, we see our mix break and we see costs go up. We see higher CPAs, higher CACs. And so we really pay attention to as we scale, making sure that if increasing your paid spend isn't increasing organic growth and organic traffic and email traffic, that means you have a break somewhere in your mix. That means something isn't working. And so when we know that, it allows us to really understand anytime we go above that threshold, all right, something isn't working. There's something that needs to be fixed or optimized or adjusted to rebalance um, our ecosystem back towards our target KPIs um, from a macro perspective. And those are really on a day-to-day basis. I mean, those really focus on um, from a pay, we look at, you know, CPA from a macro basis, you know, simply, you know, the amount we spend divided by the number of transactions um, that we get on a daily basis we look at and the cost of the traffic coming in the door, you know, our CPV, um, or cost per session we use internally, but now that we're buying a lot of TV media, you know, cost per visitor is how the TV folks like to talk about it. But knowing what our target cost per visitor is um, and how much traffic that's going to get us and what percentage of organic feeds that or is a result of that paid traffic, focusing on those metrics allows us to be very scientific about knowing exactly what an additional 5K spent a day or in any medium is going to do for their overall mix. Our partner Rewind can protect your Shopify store with automated backups of your most important data. 
Rewind should be the first app you install to protect your store against human error, misbehaving apps, or collaborators gone bad. It's like having your very own magic undo button. Trusted by over 80,000 businesses, from side hustles to the biggest online retailers like Gymshark, Gatorade, and Movement Watches. Best of all, merchants like you can get one month of automated Shopify backups for free by visiting rewind.io slash honest. That's R-E-W-I-N-D dot I-O slash H-O-N-E-S-T. Yeah, I'm, I'm, t- <laughs> I'm asking you loaded questions and I'm just like, man, Chase, one of these times this isn't going to work out the way you think it is. <laughs> but you're, you're, hitting, you're hitting the nail on the head uh, and it's something that I see all the time. People are like, you could back in the wild west of Facebook, you could almost grow anything right. with Facebook ads like five, six years ago. But it just, you can't do that now. That is a recipe for disaster. Facebook is insanely expensive. I, you know, meeting with my team here, it's just watching CPMs go up day in, day out, watching cost per click go up day in, day out. And we still run a very great, you know, Facebook is still probably half of our monthly spend. Uh, and it still has its place, but I, you know, I'm looking under every stone to reallocate budget away from Facebook towards a medium that is more scalable. I think, you know, Facebook has reached that point where it's only going to get more expensive and it is really hard to scale. And we're, we're lucky to do it well here internally, but um, certainly it's not something that I want my, my team or our growth to rely on, especially given you know, iOS 14 updates and all these things that are happening right now in the marketplace that could potentially have a bad influence. And that's one of the reasons why, you know, we're, we're testing TV right now and off to a good start. Yeah. I'm loving, I love, I'm like seeing this return of like more traditional like media buying and like just cool, like billboards, TV. I, you know, I've seen a lot of people do uh, like postcards, like physical mailers lately. I just got one the other day from a, uh, Flarity, actually. And I was like, oh, this is wild. Uh, so it's just fun to see kind of things go full circle now where it's like, wow, the old school stuff that used to be too expensive is now cheaper than all these new mediums. Well, I think attribution has helped a lot with that too. I mean, the old school stuff was a lot harder to track and technology is caught up now. And, you know, we have a pretty sophisticated attribution platform that helps us track TV, our entire mix so that we know what our CPAs are at the top of the funnel versus what we can expect to pay at the bottom of the funnel and then kind of understanding how that influences our macro costs. Um, I think that's a big part of it too. I think there's no question that digital becoming more expensive is a key part of the puzzle. But I think the fact that, you know, you can measure print now, you can put together a reasonable attribution model for print advertising. You can put together a reasonable attribution model for TV and billboards, right? These things are more measurable now than they've ever been. And so it makes sense to me that there's kind of a coming home because these things work. They wouldn't exist if they didn't work. There would, you know, more money is still spent on TV than anywhere else. And because it works, you know, billboards would work. It seems kind of, I guess it depends on where you are, but I can tell you, you know, I used to live in Los Angeles. Billboards are everywhere and they work, you know, they're mostly telling you about what TV shows are on, but you, you'll go home and see that on Netflix and you'll watch it because of it. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. So I guess, uh, I mean, we've, we've talked about a lot of cool stuff here and I, I'm sure that I'll have you back on in a couple of months and we'll drill into something a little bit more specific. Uh, but is there anything that I forgot to ask you today uh, that you think would be worthwhile sharing with the audience? 
I think one of the most under-optimized and underutilized channels for e-commerce specifically is affiliate marketing. I think that at least and I can witness what I've seen here and affiliate wasn't something my agency ran. Affiliate is a very heavy lift. Um, I think most agencies really suck at it. Um, but there are a handful. We're lucky to have one that really, really do it well and are able to create so much value by having product monetized product placements in the right marketplaces against the right audience. We would not be, again, we're, we've maintained consistent growth over the last couple of years. Um, actually last three years, even because like I said it, our growth started before I got here. Um, I've just really been kind of, you know, juicing it, I, I guess with the team, but affiliate, we wouldn't even, we wouldn't have been able to maintain our trajectory with rising costs if affiliate didn't continue to perform. Um, so having that and having a great team to run it and create those relationships and monetize those placements has been, I mean, the ROI has just been absolutely incredible. Uh, and so I, I think that's something where, you know, if affiliate isn't working for you, you have to think about how you're doing it, who's doing it for you. Because if you have almost any kind of product there, there's an affiliate marketplace for it. And there are customers that are, that shop those marketplaces. And just because you or I might not use, I mean, do I use Rakuten? No, to be honest, never have. It's, you know, foreign to me, uh, as a, as a consumer, but as a marketer, it is an incredibly valuable marketplace. Um, Ebates, et cetera, all of these, you know, reward style is, I mean, I'm sure anyone in the fashion industry knows that reward style is big, but having the team to really leverage reward style so that you have the right placement so that you're creating the right relationships and getting the right traction, it's so important. Um, and I guess another than that, I would say email. I mean, if you're neglecting email, if you're not putting the right resources and effort into your um, campaigns into your behavioral emails to triggered emails, um, abandoned cards, abandoned, all that stuff. If you're not creating the right ecosystem with email, then you're missing probably the most valuable driver of growth for your business. Cause ultimately you can have the best acquisition funnel in the universe, but if customers don't make that second purchase, you will go out of business. Like you just, especially with costs, you know, CAC goes up, CPAs are going up because everyone relies so much on mediums like Facebook and Facebook works, no question. But if you're not investing as much resources into, you know, email and SMS being huge, if you're not on SMS, if you're not using text message to market to your customers, you're missing out on a lot of revenue there as well. Um, then you're not going to go anywhere very quickly. I, I couldn't agree more. Kyle, thank you so much for coming on and sharing this. Uh, this this will be an episode that I'm sharing with a lot of people when it comes out. Uh, thank you so much. My pleasure, Chase. Glad to be here. Look forward to doing it again. All right. I can't thank our guests enough for coming on the show and sharing their knowledge and journey with us. We've got a lot to think about and potentially add into our own business. You can find all the links in the show notes. Make sure you head over to honestecommerce.co to check out all of the other amazing content that we have. Make sure you subscribe, leave a review. And obviously, if you're thinking about growing your business, check out our agency at electriceye.io. Until next time.